everyone. Welcome back to Mercy Talk. This is Melanie Wise. And this is Jen Otero. And today we are shifting gears and discussing the importance of having vision for your future. Um, If you've been with us on and off for every week the last four months, we've been working through the keys to freedom. And I think that today is a fitting shifting out of Mm -hmm. that series as we really hit on the importance of vision, what it means to cast vision, especially when you're in a healing season, because there is a real power in having the long view when you're in the midst of some difficulty and working through some things. If I can know where I'm going, it's going to give me really what I need to propel me forward. Mm-hmm. In those moments where I'm not real sure I want to pray that through, or I don't really know if I want to forgive. If I see what's on the other side of the season, often it makes it that much easier to yeah. really work through the healing process. Well, and some people I think could almost see this as a little counterintuitive, like, wait, I'm in the middle of just like heart gut-wrenching season right now where I'm right. trying to work through all this stuff and pray through all these hurts forgive people and you're telling me that in the middle of that I'm supposed to talk about the future like no I can't focus on that but I think what we have seen over and over I mean for over 33 years of Mercy Multiplies residential program we have found that there is so much power in casting vision like almost Mm -hmm. from day one because that is literally the thing it's that hope and that vision of what is to come that really keeps people on the path because really when hope and vision, I kind of put them hand in hand because yeah. hope is just hoping for what is to come. When those things get ripped away or stolen or kind of cast to the side, there is really nothing that keeps people in that forward momentum mm-hmm. on the journey. And so I feel like it's so important to almost start with the end in mind and to really have that vision for what is to come um, because it's just really powerful when you're in your own healing journey. And even to bring scripture into that, when you look at Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, it says, without a vision, people perish. Mm-hmm. That scripture really hits on the importance of understanding that it doesn't mean we're just going to keel over physically dead, of course, if we don't have vision. But I think we can all think about those people that don't have a lot of vision for their future. And it's just kind of the mundane day yeah. in and day out. And those folks may not even be in a healing season. So add a healing season to the lack of vision and it gets pretty hopeless. It gets pretty difficult. But when we're able to see what's on the other side, and like you said, Mel, I think of all the times, even in sessions, I'll go, well, what are your dreams for the future? Like in their first or second session, and they look at me a little cross-eyed, like, wait a minute, I thought I was here to deal with anxiety or whatever. Yep, we are. But what is on the other side of anxiety? What does it look like to be free? What does it mean for you to not have to deal with this anymore? And what will your life look like? And there's something to be said about casting the vision for what even freedom looks like. Because when we can catch that, then we know this is what's on the other side. And I'm willing to do what it takes to get there. Mm. And often I would add too, and we talk about this all the time, that as much as we're in a healing season for ourselves, there's always other people that are going to eat of the fruit of my hard work. And so as I overcome anxiety as an example... I'm then going to be positioned by the Lord in the days to come to help other people, to give some keys, to talk through some things, to encourage them in their own process. I've seen it time and time again, because I've overcome something. Suddenly, the Lord connects these young Mm. women with 60 people that are now struggling with the same thing they've overcome. It's just what God does. And so understanding that it's never just about us. It really is about the other people that will impact. And that can be really exciting. Mm -hmm. And it can get us kind of out of ourselves just enough to be willing to move forward and to do what it takes. Well, as we are jumping into just kind of what vision is and characteristics of a God-given vision, I think it's also just important for us to just address how important it is for people, not only who are walking through a healing journey right now, but man, the importance, like you said, when you interact with people who don't really have vision for their life, they're just kind of like, 
going through the motions of life. And it's, there's just kind of an emptiness, kind mm-hmm. of a deadness there. But man, when people have vision, I think it's important for us to not only have vision for our own lives personally, but man, when you get a vision for your workplace, when you get a vision for your marriage, when you get a vision for your children, for you as a parent, whatever it might be, vision changes everything and it really brings life. I I remember, I mean, at this point, I've now almost been married for a year, but when we, when my (laughs) husband and I were, you know, engaged in our premarital counselor had us write out a vision statement for our marriage. So cool. It was like the funnest thing ever. And literally to this day, we will talk about different things. You know, when we were talking about where are we going to really get planted in a church? Like, man, but remember how our vision for our marriage is this. So we Mm want to go somewhere where we're going to be able to walk out that vision. I mean, it really has had a significant impact on decisions that we're still making to this day because we at the get-go put a vision in place for Mm -hmm. our marriage. You know, so it really applies to every single facet of life and brings so much life and direction and focus to what you're doing when you have a vision. So I think that in, in Nancy's book, in Nancy Alcorn's book, Ditch the Baggage, she talks about just kind of the characteristics of a God-given vision. And so we just kind of want to touch on those today. And one of the things that she talks about is how God vision is big. Mm-hmm. I want to be clear when we say yes. this, though, it is not about the number or the size when we say big. I know that big is actually a size. But what we are saying here is that it's there's something that's big in our own hearts, that it's big in its purpose, and and truly that to the Lord it is it's big. So I think sometimes what people can do when they talk about vision is they are like, man, you need to have a vision for like changing the whole world and starting a ministry and starting this thing that's going to save thousands of lives and all of these orphans are going to be fed for the rest. You know, I mean, it's like, and if your vision doesn't look like that, then it's a lesser than vision Mm -hmm. than those who do have that. And I just get a little bit fired up about that. I'm like, that is a calling on some certain people's lives. But just because other people might have different callings and different directions and different passions doesn't mean that their vision for their life is smaller. Mm -hmm. And so when we say it's big, we're not saying that you need to have a vision to go literally change the entire world, but that your vision is, is big in purpose and it's really big in the heart of God for Mm -hmm. you. And so it, I think what's important though is understanding that it's always going to be too big for us to be able to do on our own and in Mm -hmm. our own strength and in our own power that a God-given vision requires God and requires for him to come through. And I remember being challenged with that a few years back was if if everything that you're doing in your life, you can really do in your own power and your own strength and it doesn't require God to come through then you're living a little small, Mm -hmm. you know, that there is something bigger that really requires his presence and his power to be part of that is just so cool to give your life over to. So God-given vision is big. It's also exciting. There is some adventure and risk and excitement and really just kind of venturing into the unknown and and into something that you don't really know how it's going to all pan out on the other side, but that it's exciting to walk into that place. And so again, like we've said, people who don't have vision for their life seem to just kind of be like, like just kind of go through. There's nothing really exciting or anything propelling them forward. And so when you have God-given vision, it really brings life and excitement to your life. Another thing that Nancy talks about is that God vision is real. 
And there's something to be said about understanding that even when it's still in your heart or your mind, that you really recognize that because God has breathed that it's real Mm -hmm. and because God Mm -hmm. has breathed that he is going to make a way for it to happen. And the thought that even comes to mind for me, too, is that, you know, when Jesus looks at us, he doesn't just see all the junk we're overcoming or all the things that we've done or will do. He really sees us in that perfected state. He Mm -hmm. sees the vision. He sees he doesn't have a struggle with getting stuck in the here and now like we tend to. He sees us 10 years from now. He sees us two years from now. He sees us 25 years from now walking out the vision and the calling and the purpose that he prepared for us before the foundation of the world. I mean, that's awesome. awesome. There's nothing really more real than that. But there is that place for us to understand that even in Hebrews 11.1, it says that faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And so even though we may not have our hands on it yet, and we may not see it happening yet, when it's in our hearts and our minds, that vision is as real as it will ever get. Mm -hmm. It's just that we see it continuing to work out into the natural sense. And so I think there's something to be said even about that faith place of understanding that when God has breathed the vision into you, There's no one in the world that can tell you that it's not for real. The enemy can try and, you know, people can have certain voices into things, but that that vision is something that really propels us forward. Mm -hmm. It makes, I think in the book that Nancy talks about that she had gotten a picture well before the Nashville home was built, that it was going to be in a really like tree filled area Mm -hmm. and it was going to have hills. And she was working with the realtor and he's like, I got nothing. Like there is no land that is, looks like what you're telling me. She's like, no, no, no. I need you to understand. Mm -hmm. This is what God showed me. So we need to continue looking. Long story short, he ends up calling her and says, I found your piece of land. And it's right next door to the church that you've been attending. And so that is now where our corporate building and our Nashville home are located. But because she caught the vision and because the Lord showed her that, she knew it was real. Mm -hmm. It was just a matter of the Lord putting things into place for it to come into full fruition. So God vision is real. The next thing too is that God vision directs and defines your life, which is huge, huge, huge. And it really, I think the challenge that I think we would even have for listeners and I take it for myself is that vision is not really optional for Mm. Christians. Mm -hmm. It's not something that we really should or could walk through life without because God is a visionary and because he is creative and because who he is, if we are truly made in his image, then how do we walk through life without our own vision? And so really recognizing that in order to walk in freedom and to walk in the fullness of who he's created us to be in the first place, vision will always be a part of that. No matter how big, using my quarter fingers because you can't see me, or small that may be. I mean, I think of a friend of mine who her biggest vision in her life, and she's so excited about it, is to one day have a home where people can just come over and eat and she bakes for them and she loves on them. And that is her vision. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with orphans in another country. Like you said, Mel, there's not some big number associated with it. But her vision for her life is that she wants to have a safe place for people to come and to share a meal and to talk through things and to be loved on. And to go home. So awesome. And anybody yeah. anybody who could look at that and go, oh, well, that feels like it's a little less than not for her. Mm-hmm. That is what she knows. She's going to be a mom and a wife and to do what she does and love people and have this crazy gift of hospitality mm-hmm. where people's lives will be changed. Mm-hmm. That is a God call in her life. That doesn't have anything to do with numbers, but it does define and it does direct her life in a really cool way. It's really good. Well, so let's transition a little bit more into now how how do we actually seek out 
that God vision for our lives. There may be people listening that are like, okay, that sounds awesome. I got, mm-hmm. I got nothing. You know, <laughs> Where do I even start? <laughs> and so I think one of the first things, honestly, when I look at my own life, when I have been around people or heard stories of people that inspire me, and there's things that just really like mm-hmm. wake up inside of me when I hear their story or what they're doing with their life, that's a really strong indicator to me that this is a passion that God has given yeah. to me directly. And so, you know, in recent years, one of the things that I've really started to get very passionate about for my own life was that I would just really be truly a woman of prayer. Mm-hmm. And that came from hearing other women talking about their own prayer lives, what God was doing in their prayer lives. And I was just like, holy cow, I want that so much for my life. And it just kept staying there and it kept, you know, just almost nagging me a little bit, you know, of like, this is something that I want for my life. And so it really gave me vision for my life just by hearing their stories and their testimonies. And so, you know, man, just like being around people that you respect Mm -hmm. and listening to their stories, listening to their lives. Honestly, even if there's certain things that you really feel drawn to, who are some of the people that are in those areas or in those fields or doing those things with their lives? And man, what can you learn from them? You know, Nancy talks about in in the book about how in her earlier, she would read biographies and stories of all these different people who had pioneered ministries, mm-hmm. you know, and people who had overcome their own addictions and life controlling issues. And man, that just really inspired her and grew that vision in her own heart. And so just really interacting with those people, hearing and reading their stories can really start to not only highlight things that you're passionate about, but also grow that vision yeah, in your own life. It's also important too to surround yourself with people that can challenge you and call you higher, yeah. but that also are like number one cheerleaders. These aren't the people that are going to bring doubt or unbelief. These are going to be people who get behind your vision and encourage it, but also know how to challenge you because I'm sure in 33 years, Nancy's been challenged a couple of times by people closest to her. It's the very same thing that in your vision, you want to have people in your life that you trust, that have your back, that have your heart, that love you, care for you, that can challenge you, call you higher, but also really encourage that vision, help you even cast it a little bigger if Mm -hmm. you need help with that. But I also would add to that that in Matthew 7, 6, it talks about the importance of not throwing our pearls before swine. And so there is a real discernment and a wisdom of who you share those precious dreams with, Mm -hmm. that there is something to be said about being careful who you place those things before, because some people may not get it. Some people may not agree. Some people may really not have a lot of vision for their own life. And so they may have a hard time with you having one. Mm -hmm. And so just being really, really mindful that you're surrounding yourself with people that cheerlead you and challenge and encourage you, but that don't kill the dream and don't speak doubt or unbelief into the dream. And so it is a little bit of both and, but being mindful of who you surround yourself Mm -hmm. with, because when you're surrounded by the right people that really love you and love the vision, that will help propel you forward as the Lord continues to lead. It's a very cool thing. I mean, I found in my own life that whenever I've had vision for certain things, it's like almost like the enemy almost plants some of those people around who are just going to like start just tearing them down and discourage you. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody else is as you know, susceptible to this as I am, but like, man, I would find myself so easily getting discouraged mm-hmm. and like, maybe this isn't the right vision or maybe this is way too big or maybe this really is unrealistic and I should throw this one out the window, you know? And 
So the importance of that is huge. Huge. First of all, believing and standing firm in what you believe the Lord has called you to and not letting those words that really at the end of the day are from the enemy Mm -hmm. to, to take root in your heart, but then really to be intentional about putting those other people in your life. I mean, I knew the people who were encouraging those visions in my life. I knew it. And I, man, when I started getting discouraged, I would run to them. Like, remind me, why am I doing this? Why do I want this? And um, so I think that's just a really important piece. The last thing that I think that is important to touch on is just the importance of when you do feel like you have some specific vision for your life to just trust God's timing with it. And and depending on what those specific visions are, it's going to look, that timing piece is going to look a little bit different. You know, it, there's nothing small about your vision for your life being, man, I just really want to be an awesome dad mm-hmm. one day to my kids. And I want to walk this journey of healing so that when I have kids, there's just going to be a wholeness to my life. I'm going to be able to love them and encourage them. And that is the vision for my life. That is an incredible Sweet. vision for your life. And so the timing look in that is, man, like, I'm going to have to trust this process. I'm going to have to trust the journey that the Lord has me on and not try to rush it, but really try to be diligent in doing my part and trusting that the Lord is going to do his and work that healing into my own life. But then there's other visions that are maybe a little bit more specific and require like some physical resources. I mean, you talked about Nancy's vision for just the the home here in Nashville. And I mean, man, she read the stories, even if you read Echoes of Mercy, the book that really kind of lays the story out in detail. I mean, she had to be so patient in waiting for the Lord's timing and his provision, but also literally she had no choice. I mean, she really had to be patient and let the Lord do it because she didn't have the resources. She didn't have what she needed. And as we talked about, if the, if a vision is from the Lord, it's going to require him to come through. Yeah, that's right. And that really does require a patience. And man, you can try to run ahead of him and make things happen in your own. And man, am I guilty of that? I'm like, ah, this isn't happening fast enough. I'm just going to make it happen. But I have found time and time again, when I have allowed the Lord to do his part, it is always 50 times better than the vision mm-hmm. I ever even had in my own head. But if I had tried to manufacture it and make it all happen in my own timing and in my own resources, it really just, it would have been smaller. Mm-hmm. It would not have been what it ended up being. And so I just think the importance of allowing the Lord to do his part and allowing that process to take place um, and being patient with it, it will be so much better in the end than anything you could have done yourself. And so that's just a really important piece as well. And the cool story that comes along with it. You know, if it's just something that we snap our fingers and make happen, you don't, I mean, you don't have a story to tell in Echoes of Mercy that people get to read 33 years later. You know, I think there's something even in that of like, I really want to link arms with you, Lord, and allow this adventure to play out as you're writing it. Because even the story leading up to anything that the Lord's creating is part of the vision. And so really allowing him to write the whole story and how cool it is to think, okay, I'm going to get down the road and I'm going to look back at today or last week or last month and go, oh my gosh, look what the Lord did. And oh my gosh, I was freaking out. But then God, Mm. you know, and then it's so cool too, because you never have to doubt if that vision was from the Lord, because when he comes through and provides everything that you needed for that vision to happen, you're like, oh my goodness. (laughs) That wasn't just me. That was really a God-given vision. Mm -hmm. But when you kind of wrap your hands of control around it and try to manufacture it, I don't know. It just makes me wonder, Mm -hmm. would I then look back on that and be like, oh, I don't know if that was the Lord or if that was just me making something happen, you know? (laughs) But like really when you let him do his thing, there's such an assurance and a rest and like, oh my goodness, that really was the Lord's vision. So it's just a cool outcome of that. So, Well, Mal, I know this is an area that we could probably talk about 
whole day. Mm-hmm. Have a 45-minute podcast. Mm-hmm. Probably not very helpful for people. So we do have to wrap it up. But I love even looking forward to next week, which next week will technically be our last day of this Keys to Freedom series that we've been doing since August. And I really encourage listeners to tune in because we have one of our graduates, Heather, who's going to be joining us, just talking through the Keys to Freedom in the sense of what it has looked like for her as a graduate, what it's looked like for her in the program, what it's looked like for her as a wife, and just really being able to recognize, okay, it's just going to be cool, I think, for people to hear her story of what it really looks like to put these things to work and the power that they hold. And so we hope that everybody will tune in with us next week. 